bit like somebody who's never been outside their own house saying, I've got the most comfortable bed. Well, you just, you just don't know. You just don't know until you go, you go and have a look. Welcome to the Behind the Scenes podcast. This is Michael Golab. Today I'm talking to David Lamb. David is a theatre producer, writer and director. We talk about the importance of striving to fulfil your potential, whatever field you're in, why theatre has to be more than just good entertainment, the importance of welcoming difficulties, the dark side of social anthropology, how good stories can broaden your mind and thus improve your decision-making, and so much more. David was born in Cape Town and has lived in London since 1972. His plays have been produced by the National Theatre, the RSC, the Royal Court and the Almeida. He's published an anthropological study, Guns and Rain, Gorillas and Spirit Mediums in Zimbabwe in 1985, and a memoir, As If by Chance, Journeys, Theatres, Lives in 2020. He was writer-in-residence at the Royal Court from 1995 to 1997, an artistic director of the Young Vic from 2000 to 2018. In 2018, he received the Laurence Olivier Special Award, the Critic Circle Special Award, and the RAI, Anthropology in the World Award. He's theatre associate at the Brooklyn Academy of Music in New York, where he produced Simon Stone's version of Medea earlier this year. And now, I bring you David Lamb. David, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, sure, it's a pleasure. So if someone asks you, what do you do, in case they've never heard of you, what do you say? I say that I produce theatre and I write. I think that's what I say. What do you, what do you love the most about all the many hats that you wear about being a director, producer, playwright, social anthropologist, what you love the most? Well, you know, I, I haven't directed my own shows for a while now. I used to direct quite a bit, but I haven't directed for a while yet. And I'm, I haven't worked as a social anthropologist for a very long time. So that doesn't immediately rise to the surface if I think about, well, what am I, what am I doing today? I don't think, oh, well, shall I, do, shall I do a bit of a social anthropology? That doesn't, that doesn't come up. What do I like most? I, I, li- I tell you what I like. I like doing different things. Um, I like the fact that I can, um, that I move around. I mean, at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I'm doing two things, actually. At the moment, I'm producing a, a big event, which I've been working on for a couple of years, and it's got at least a year, maybe more to go, on that. And I spent a lot of time on that. But I also spend uh, half a day writing. And the fact that I can do one thing and then I can do another thing, um, which is completely different and needs different sort of attention. Uh, mm. I, like, I like that very much. I've, I've always liked that. I've always liked to be able to just do the thing that is standing in front of me needing to be done. Oh, fair. And what do you, what, what would you love the most about the process of producing a show? People who call themselves producers can do very, very different things. Um, and produce uh, is a um, title that people covet, um, and people like to call themselves producer. And um, when I was running a, um, a theatre, it's, it's a title we gave people because they liked having it. If they had responsibility for getting a show up in any way, we'd call them producer of the show. But I, I mean, ultimately, the producer really is the person who uh, is con- in control of the big idea, whatever the big idea is, and the, me- the means of achieving it, um, which is partly money and a budget, controlling the money, 
but it's also um, trying to think of how you get that crazy thought that you have in the middle of the night or in the bath or while swimming or um, wherever the idea happened to hit you. You go, oh, I think we could do a show about whatever it is. Um, and the process of getting from that idea, which you hadn't anticipated, um, to the moment at top past seven one Thursday um, when you put in front of the audience for the first time. All of that, everything to do with that, uh, is 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 good. It's good. It's starting. I, I like starting from the very very beginning. I mean, I, again, when I was running a theatre, some of the shows that we did had originated in other places. People had done well. Obviously, the play we had done before, but but sometimes the um, the this uh, yeah, sometimes you did completely new plays, never been done before. Sometimes you were your right plays, but also occasionally we bring in a show that had been done somewhere else, even if we did a new production of it. But the really good thing is, is when you start from just a kind of a hunch, just a sort of a notion that there might be something in the idea of doing whatever it is, Titus Andronicus, Time of Athens, um, The Birthday Party, um, or um, just that really good book by George V. Higgins that you read. You think, oh, I wonder whether you could you do that on the stage? And getting it from, from that point to, to it becoming a, something in three dimensions that other people are giving life to. That's, that's, um, that's fun. In your book, you say that your job is to create the best circumstances for, as a producer. Sorry, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but... So your autobiography, uh, as if by chance, Journeys, Theatres, Lives, came out in February 2020, I think? That's right. And it is a really fascinating exploration of your life, your encounters, your thoughts, and your childhood. And, yeah, I think that anyone who saw any of your brilliant productions in London will find your book really rewarding. So I'll, I'll just to let you, like, for our listeners, I'll put a, up a link to, to all your books and the show notes for, to our episode, just to make it easier for them to find. And it's written with a lot of, of humour, one of the things that uh, stood out for me is your encounter with Luc Bondy. He's, for people who, 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 who might not know him, he was a Swiss theatre director. And I, I saw his Anatole, uh, played by Austrian playwright Arthur Schnitzler, when I was a teenager, because I, I lived in Vienna for a while when I was a kid. And uh, that really fascinated me. And then I saw, you write about it too, the, his production of King Lear, much, much later production of King Lear, with very famous German theatre actor Gerd Foss, who is kind of, he used to be the Marlon Brander of German theatre, I'd say. And uh, he's actually one of the reasons why I've wanted to become an actor, Gerd Foss is. And uh, yeah, so uh, what, what I found very interesting about your encounter with Luc Bondy is that he demanded eight, I think eight or nine weeks of rehearsals from you. And you actually granted him that, didn't you? Luke asked for all kinds of things. <laughs> the um, the um, the long rehearsal period was was only was one of them. Yes, I did. I mean, the thing is, if you and I had the good fortune when I was running the theatre that that I could really produce anything that I was able to produce. If I could find a way of doing it, then I could do it. I didn't have any rules I had to follow. I wasn't the Royal Shakespeare Company, so I, you know, I didn't have to do Shakespeare. I wasn't the Royal Court, so. We didn't have to focus on new plays. We could do whatever I wanted to do. So I would look for artists, uh, writers, directors, actors, who I, for whatever reason, felt attracted to, felt close to, felt that uh, 
that voice was a voice I wanted to bring into my theatre. Um, and then if you do that, if you say to a director like Luke, whose work I saw, I also saw that Anatole actually in uh, mm. Vienna. Um, what did you think of it? Oh, I thought it was remarkable. I thought it was, I thought it was, it, it, it was, um, it's actually not a play that I love, though, but, but I thought, I thought um, the, what, what, what I, I like very much about it, and I like about Luke's work, or, in general, or much of Luke's work, is that he found a way working with his designer, he had three or four designers he worked with, um, over the course of his life, uh, a way of putting, of, 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 of finding the heart of the play, or the soul of the play, or the meaning of the play, or the guts of the play, whatever the appropriate metaphor is, and, and putting that as an environment mm. on the stage within which the play happens, within which the actors move. And the, the way Anatole was staged, I don't know how well you remember it, but it was, it was doors within doors within doors, or spaces mm. within spaces. So you, you, you often, watching a scene, you couldn't quite see the whole scene because you couldn't see quite round the door, but you could see enough of the scene and you could imagine the rest of it. But what I was saying is if you, you, know, if you meet somebody that you want to work with and they say, look, in order to do the thing, which you want me to do, I need certain things. It's pointless to say, well, you can't have them. I mean, if you if you can't find a way of providing the circumstances that the artist needs in order to make the art, then it's better they go and make their art with someone, someone else. So, uh, uh, so, so my job and a and a and, a, and a, uh, a a very rewarding job was to try and work out how how to do it, how to make it possible for whoever the artists were that. I was working with to give them the circumstances to make the thing that they that I wanted them to make. In the end, he says because the, he says that the English actors are so well prepared that he asks you to open early. <laughs> Everything about Luke was unexpected. Everything was um, was a, was a sort of a game, really. I mean, it was often challenging um, in, in in one way or another. But again, you know, there's no you don't make a deal with that an artist that they will behave in a particular way. I mean, of course, you know, people's behavior towards the people that they work with needs to meet certain standards. You can't have people who are behaving badly or behaving in an oh, yeah. arrogant way or an aggressive way. I mean, that's obviously out of, out of order and, 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 and shouldn't happen. But, but, but in any other respect, you want to, I, I always, I mean, I say this so often, but that I, I, I also the relationship that I wanted to have with the people that I worked with was, was a friendship. I mean, actually, with Luke, Luke be became a good friend, actually, uh, a, a close friend over the years um, that I knew him, which sadly was, uh, and unexpectedly, towards the end of his life. I mean, if, if, if Luke was still with us, I, I'm sure I would still be working with him. Um, but, but, he, but he was he was very much a one-off. I mean, I remember you, you mentioned the great um, German actor Gert Foss, who, who, who uh, Luke worked with. Oh, this, the second show that I did with Luke, which was another play by Schnitzler, actually, uh, which in the version we did was called uh, Sweet Nothings. Um, Sweet but nothing, we, talked yeah. about, we talked about various other things that Luke might do. And the play Luke really wanted to do at a certain point was Endgame by Samuel Beckett. He said, I want to do Endgame. And I went, mm, okay, all right. I mean, it's an amazing uh, play. And, yeah. and, and because Luke's style was very um, light and ironic 
I thought, oh, yeah, it'd be great. It is a, it's a play full of uh, distress, but it's also it, it got a, a, a rather sort of sprightly, um, darkly um, funny patina to it. And I said, okay, let's let's do it. Who do you want to act in it? And he said, well, I want Gerd Foss. I want yeah. Gerd Foss to play Ham. And I went, oh yeah, it's great. He's a really good actor. Um, how good is English? Yeah. To which it was a long silence. And then uh, Luke said, Daniel Day Lewis, didn't he? Um, well, no, he went, okay, well, let's, no, all right, let's, let's, let's think something else. He was, yes, there was a, I, I tell you another actor that, um, that he wanted to play that part, um, who's very much in our minds at the moment, was Sean Connery. Um, oh. he decided, um, Sean Connery should play Ham, and I, and I, um, rang up oh, his wow. agent and said, look, you know, I don't even remember, I think he had done some acting on stage when he was much younger, but he hadn't been on the stage for 45 years, uh, for a long time. But I, 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 I made the approach. Luke Bondi would like Sean Connery to play the part of Ham in Endgame. Um, but it didn't, it didn't go very well. But yeah, what I, what I found really interesting is this different approach to rehearsals in Europe and in the UK is that because in Europe it's more of a repertory theatre that uh, obviously you need more time, but also that actors come, they're not as well prepared. They don't really learn their lines. They learn them during rehearsals which I guess was part of why Luke thought that they're so, you know, so well prepared here. Yeah, which I think both approaches have pros and cons, obviously, but it's quite a luxury to get eight to nine weeks, isn't it? Not mm. if you're working in um, Germany or Austria or France. Or, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but of course, yeah. because it's all state-funded and because of, yeah, the whole system there. Mm. Also, it's because, I mean, the state funding, of course, makes an enormous difference, but um, makes an enormous difference uh, to the quality of the work that, that, that the companies are able to produce. But the fact that the companies are companies of actors, not every theatre, but, but every, um, every big city has a state theatre that has a company of actors, or most do, and the fact that the actors are working together over a long period of time, and as you say, they play in repertoire, um, changes everything. I mean, one of the things that Luke hadn't anticipated was that the actors were not in any other show. So he was expecting that they would work from, I don't know, they'd have done a show the night before, so you couldn't really get them in before. Oh, yeah, yeah, Let's say yeah. 11, and mm. then they'd have to go at four because they were going to play that evening. Um, mm. So the fact that they could start early in the morning and he had them for the whole day um changed changed um changed that relationship but um, oh, i see yeah is there anything you find applicable from being a theater maker in your daily life oh good question you know yeah, there, there, there's so many aspects of, of making theater um and, and a lot of them are common sense things the things that one does with one's early life uh, ordinary life daily life but 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 if you try to think beyond that, you know, a lot of a lot of making theatre is to do with trusting one's sense of form, of shape, of pattern, um, your own sense of oh, I want to, we need a bit more of this, or we need a bit less of that. Can it go faster, slower? Can it? Can the can the you know, um, and those sort of feelings about. Space and time and speed, you, you, you use that in your, in your ordinary life, your daily life all the, all the time. Um, the, the, the relationship of people to space. I mean, I, 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 mean you could, I, could, I could give you practical things, but, but, but they're, they're totally obvious. Oh, yeah, but please, please, please tell, say the obvious. Well, and, you know, planning anything. If you, if you, 
I, yeah, a lot of the job of a producer is, is, is just problem solving. It's, it's trying to work out how you do something. And, 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 and therefore, the interest in producing is doing the things you haven't done before. I mean, it's, it's welcoming problems, is welcoming difficulty, is looking for, for mm-hmm. the hard thing, because the, the, the pleasure in making something is in the doing of it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the truth with any sort of making. You can think about it, you can plan it, you can make your notes, you can do your research. But it's not until that thing happens between the hands and the brain and the body and the eyes um, that, you, that any kind of real creativity happens. I think, I think, right? you know, there's, there's, there's continuity between the kind of work one does making theatre and the kind of work one does um, making dinner, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cooking, or, I mean, cooking is great art. It's a great Well, art. Yeah, yeah, of course, you're creating something, yeah. You're creating something which you are the only person who can make it. I mean, if you're making, if you're, if you're um, posting bread, then, then, uh, uh, distinguishing between the toast you made and the toast made by the man next door is probably quite hard. But um, but 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 anything more elaborate than that. I mean, the whole thing about what we do isn't this right. Is it's an expression of of an individual's experience and knowledge and sensitivity and skill. And only I'm talking about Luke. I mean, Luke was Luke was the only person on the planet who could create what he created. I used to, when I was living in theatre all the time, um, which I'm not doing anymore, but when I was, I used to think that I could walk into into a, uh, a performance of a play and um, recognise the style of the director. I don't know, who, I don't uh-huh. know who, who directed that. You know, that's directed by, oh, you know, whoever it is. I mean, you think about people working in London. I go, yeah, that's Ian Rickson. Oh, that's um, Sam Mendes. Oh, yeah, that's Marianne Elliott. Oh, that's whoever it is. Um, Deborah Warner, I definitely know that. That's Kay Mitchell. I mean, that you, um, you, 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 because it's individual. It's the person. Yeah. It's, um, there they are up on stage. I mean, they could... By that point, they could be in another country, but you can you can recognise who they are. What advice would you give to your younger self? Like, what do you wish you'd have known when you in your twenties, thirties? I suppose I've only got something quite conventional to say about that, which is which is trust trust yourself. Uh huh. Trust yourself. Um, in what way? Like, trust your instinct, your gut feeling, or. You know, I people use that expression that you just used, instinct. Um, you know, uh, people say, "Well, my instinctive feeling is, or my instinct is," but and, and it's it's not an instinct. I mean, one's responses to art are not instinctive; they they're learned. They're, I mean, it's, they're required. One sense of well, it's what I was saying a moment ago. One sense of form, one sense of shape, one sense of pattern. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, there's another definition of intuition, which says that intuition is nothing else than uh, pattern recognition, in a way. Well, um, mm. that's a new one on me. But, but, um, but it, yes, I can imagine that that if you're a um, bumblebee, then uh, responding to a pattern of light or a pattern of movement of air <laughs> could be what what saves your life. Um, in the in the moment, um, I'd say to my younger self, "Oh, come off it, just do it, <laughs> just do it." Oh, interesting. Do like, don't mm. don't overthink it. Basically, don't worry about it. Ah, oh, don't worry about it. Oh. Don't worry about it. Don't 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 um, 
just do it. Mm. I had a, you know, I, years ago, I've never written about this, but um, I was working with a director in, um, in Provence. Um, I mean, he was doing something in Provence and I was working with him on something different, but so I happened to be there. But one afternoon we went to a, a monastery, many miles or so from where I, from where we were, and and the, the work was intense and demanding, and I was spent a lot of time thinking, oh God, I don't think I can do this. This is very difficult. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm the person who should be here, but here I am. And we went to this. Um, much I don't even remember if I ever knew why we went there, but we went and meet people, whatever it was. But it was summer, and outside the this very very beautiful uh, Cistercian monastery, uh, there was a vast field of lavender, huge, huge, huge field of lavender. And that's all there was. There was row after row after row after row of lavender in full flower. It's a massive, beautiful red-blue field of lavender. And I had the thought, and I, and I had a moment of going, oh, I see, oh, I see. Okay, yes, I get it. They didn't go, and I'm talking, I don't know, lavender field's probably been there for hundreds of years. They didn't go, oh, I know what, let's have a little bit of lavender and then perhaps, oh, well, perhaps we could do some roses over here. And we, they didn't do that. They just went, we're doing lavender. <laughs> That's what we're doing. A, the sense of just, okay, just decide what you're doing. Just decide what you're doing. Mm. So what, what were you doing in that monastery? I just do it. Well, no, we were just visiting. We were just visiting. Oh, we were just visiting, okay. But yeah, so, I mean, if ah. I... I, I, if I could have got my younger self outside that monastery twenty oh, wow. years before, that would have been a that would have been a good thing to do. Do you meditate? No, I don't meditate. No, I don't. I think about meditating. If that's not a contradiction in terms, but I don't. I, I can see why it might be a good thing to do, but I don't do it. What would be your main advice to someone who'd like to succeed as a playwright, director, producer, actor? Sorry, that's like four questions in one. <laughs> But what would be some? What would be your main advice to someone who'd like to succeed in your field? Basically, the the, the challenge that one faces is the challenge everybody faces, which is earning enough money to get by. Or if you're more ambitious about money than that, earning earning the money you think you need, or that you do need, that you know you need. That's that's a challenge for everybody. I mean, whoever you are, wherever you are on yeah. the planet, um, that's the system we live within, and. But that makes it very difficult because the thing I want to say, the answer I want to give to your question, is if you feel you have a talent or you know you have a talent as a dancer or a guitarist or a um, playwright or whatever it is, you are the only person who could do that work in the way that you will do it. So the responsibility you have to that gift or talent or ability is to do it. You need to do it. You need to find the way to do it. Now, it can be very difficult to do that for the reason that I mentioned before, because you also need to earn a living, or if you've got a family, or if you've got pay kids, bills, you need yeah. to look after them. Mm. You've got to pay the bills, yes, all that. Um, and so I don't want to ignore the fact that people have material lives um, that they need to. However, 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 the most important thing is that people, whoever they are, whatever circumstances they live in, are able to fully fulfill the potential that they have. Um, that's the most important thing. And mm. staying true to that is the most important thing. It's very true. That's all about finding your authentic 
self in a way, isn't it? Because mm. life's too short to be messing around. Mm. Yes, but finding your authentic self is a, is, a, is a work of a lifetime. It is a work of a lifetime, yeah. yeah. That is, if, you, yeah. If, you get that, if you get that, that's, um, you're a lucky person. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, some people, some people have access to their emotional, intellectual resource. They have a, a, a direct line in. Um, yeah. Um, they, they, they start doing whatever they find themselves doing and they can do it and they can use everything they know or everything they've experienced. Some people can do that. Other people need to dig around. Um, you know, you don't always find the well the minute you start looking for the water, but, um, yeah, but finding finding that finding the way to that, it, yeah, it can take it. It can take a while. I feel I feel like it's a lot about asking questions as well, like questioning things and not just taking things for granted. I've, yeah, sometimes the question is more imp important than than the right answer. I find. Hmm. Well, no, I, if there are answers, I'd like the answers, please. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about them. I mean, if there are, if there are I'd like the. I, I, I mean. You could say, well, in that case, just ask a more difficult question. But but um, yeah, people say that about art. The purpose of art is to ask questions, not to not to give answers. But I think no, no, no. If you've got an answer, <laughs> if you know a better way to do, if you know how to fix a problem, a social problem, or a psychological problem, or an intellectual problem, or whatever, if you mm. know, then tell us. Yeah, no, fair, fair. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Hmm. I think what I meant is to be like basically skeptical towards things and not just just accept them, but just dare to question like your like your own intentions, for instance, uh, as a journey to finding what you really want in a way mm, as part of that journey, I think. Uh, yeah, no, I get along with that. How do you let go of the need to control everything in your work and life as in control the outcome? I don't. I don't let it go. <laughs> you don't let it go? <laughs> no, I feel the need to control. Um my work and my life. I, I can't imagine um, how you could not, um, which doesn't mean I succeed in doing that. Um, no, I mean, when I, I'm making a show, I'm producing a show, I want, I want complete control, please. Um, but but um, that means I want to be the judge of what control other people need. Um, I don't mean by that that I want to tell everybody what to do. I don't want to tell everybody what to do. But I need to be able to make, I need to be able to know enough, I need to be able to be close enough to know when, oh, you know, you want to move the steering wheel just a little bit to the left, or maybe you want to say stop for a bit, or you, whatever it is, or you want to say just all great, just keep going, that's all brilliant. Um, but I wouldn't. Um, no, I mean, the battle is to get control. I mean, and one of the ways is to, is to have financial control. So you can say, we will do this, we won't do that. You know, um, we'll, 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 we'll put the focus in, on this. This is what you need. You tell me you need it. Okay, I will, I will provide it for you. I will find a way to provide it for you. But if I don't have control as a producer, then I can't, I can't do that. I mean, you don't achieve it. You can never achieve it. I mean, this is a, an intention. You can never have that complete control. But I said, if your question was how do, how do I find a way to let go, I, I don't let go. I guess what I mean is when, when say, because uh, 
I'm sure there are many situations where things don't go your way or where there's a lot of setbacks. How how you how you deal with that then? Of not saying, oh, but I need it to be this way when it can't be this way, for instance. Oh, well, if it can't be, it can't be. <laughs> I mean, you no, of course. I mean, it, it things don't work out. I mean, or you or you made a mistake, or you yeah, you know, make mistakes all the time. Um, all the all the time, endlessly making mistakes, um, bad judgments, suggested things, and um, I'd have been done better to shut up, um, and 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 so on. But you. Um, Oh, you just move on, don't you? I mean, you you try and um, clean up after yourself and um, move on. Okay. Mm. What is your What would you say is your greatest failure, and what did you learn from it? As in something you still wish hadn't happened, but it did change you for the better. Oh, you know, I've got so many things wrong. I I don't know that I can think of a. I, I mean, I've no, I got I've so I mean, so many things that I've imagined would be a good thing to do. Um, I don't. I don't know that I can give you one. I, I can't even think of one big thing. And then when I was working as a social anthropologist, as a even as a researcher, as an academic, I got to a certain point with that work after a long time, after ten years of of of, of working, of thinking, actually, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. I, I I've lost it. I've lost my need for it. I, I but but. Even that doesn't describe it very well. I it, I just found I couldn't do it anymore, and I let it go completely. I I I I left. Um, I left that world, um, and I kept in touch with some of the people that I'd worked with for a long period of time. Many of them I I didn't. And I guess in retrospect, I wish I had been able to stay to some degree, or maybe more than that, in that world, which was fantastically. Stimulating, interesting, exciting to me. Um, but I left it. And though I suppose inevitably what I'd learned and the disciplines that I'd subjected myself to in order to do that work have stayed with me and have some influence over the work I've done subsequently, mm. I left, I, I, I closed the door on, on, on that whole way of being with people. Um, and I, I guess I regret that. I, 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 I mean, in the moment, it, it didn't seem possible to do anything different from what I did. Mm. How has it informed your work, being a social anthropologist? How, how has it informed your theatre work? Well, I'll give a simple answer to that. In order to do the work that I wanted to do, uh, the research I wanted to do, I spent two years living in a very, very remote part of uh, Zimbabwe in Central Africa, um, in a very, very poor village, in a, in a village uh, that had just gone through a terrible war. Um, mm. But even before the war, uh, it was a, a part of the country where the, the, the quality of the soil was very weak. Nobody wanted it. The people who lived there either lived there because they came from families who lived there for generations or because and, or they moved in because they've been thrown out of wherever they their families had had land in the past very 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 poor people and I, I spent two years there and i guess the experience of living somewhere very different from where i lived before meeting people and becoming close to them in very different circumstances 
it was very valuable. I mean, I would say everybody ought, everybody ought to do it. I mean, it ought to be what you do. I mean, people do, you know, exchanges and they go and stay with a French family and learn French or, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that's great. It's really, really good. I mean, it's a brilliant thing. It's a brilliant thing to do. Um, but you could take that even further. You could take that much further. I think mm. the experience of, of, of challenging your taking for granted assumptions, I mean, you asked about taking for granted assumptions earlier, of challenge, challenging those by living with people for whom those assumptions are not taken for granted, they're not even assumptions, oh, wow. um, is really, is really, um, it's a good thing to do. I mean, it seems to me, obviously, first principles is a good thing to do. And uh, consequently, I, I felt free to, in, in my work as a theatre producer, to, to, to work with anybody. I mean, to travel anywhere, to work with, with you, you could find the way to work with, you know, um, people in um, Rio de Janeiro or in Reykjavik or in wherever. Um, you, you go, well, I can, you know, that is, I can, I believe I could be wrong, but I, I could be entirely wrong. But I believe, given the experience that I've had, that I can, I can find my way to understand enough, um, it'll always be very limited, but enough of what artists working in other traditions are trying to achieve um, to bring them into our world, as it were. Oh, I love that. Uh... And offering an opportunity for a, a meeting between them and, and our audience. In a way, it made you, it made you more open to, to everything, to other cultures and other ways of putting on theatre and everything. Hmm. That's why that might be one of the reasons why you made the Young Vic such an international place, in a way. Hmm. It just seemed to me yeah, the obvious thing to do. It just you know I I I I struggled a little bit with why other people weren't doing it. Why? Why? Yeah. Because and it, it's very, but it is a very English thing. It's, it's, a, is, yeah. it's a, but it's a modern English thing. It's a modern English thing. It's not a, you know, people think, oh, it's in the English character or whatever. Oh, you know, it's an island. We have an island culture. We do not <laughs> have a, we do not have an island culture. I mean, you know, it's just nonsense. England and France, England, yeah, the, uh, England used to, um, the, the, what is now the French state um large parts of it used to be part of the english state and people you know talk about a lot of historians talk about the uh english channel as being what separates us from europe actually the truth is it, before there were airplanes or tarred roads uh if you if you were trying to go from london to paris the easy bit was crossing the channel <laughs> that was the easy bit the difficult bit was the terrible roads and the um, um difficulty of going by carriage from london to dover you got to dover provided you could wait until there was good wind you get in the boat and oh that's it this is the holiday um so the the, the link the links between england and, and and europe were were very 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 close you know um so why would you say is theatre becomes so clicky in a way? You mean in, in, from a national perspective? From a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think people believe the mock thing. I'll tell you one thing is Shakespeare. The thing about Shakespeare is because Shakespeare is Shakespeare and, and he's English. So English people think, 
oh, we've got Shakespeare, so we've got the best theatre. I, I, I think that's a big part of it. And because Shakespeare in the uh, late 18th, 19th century was so important for European culture, especially German culture, and the uh, German romantic playwrights oh, were so yeah. imitating Shakespeare. I mean, it, um, it, some people imitated, some, some people hated Shakespeare and, 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 and wrote in uh, resistance to, to his style. But, but it was very, very... So the sense of, oh, England's got Shakespeare, England's got the best theatre. Mm, so that's an aspect of it. It's only one aspect of it, but it's an aspect of it. But it's also a sort of marketing thing that the British theatre started to do was to go, we've got the best theatre. And of course we have fantastic theatre, a lot of our theatre is very, very good. But to say it's best in the world in the way that people do yeah. Um, you, can, you can only say that if you've never been to, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I mean, you said, you said Vienna, I mean, there's the Austrian theatre, the Vogue theatre, or the, the theatre in Berlin, or the theatre in Munich, or the theatre yeah, in yeah, half yeah. a dozen um, German cities, or in France, or in Russia, or in, you know, I mean, or in South America, or in, uh, to say nothing of the Asian theatre traditions and the um, South American theatre traditions and so on. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's a bit like somebody who's never been outside their own house. Saying, yeah. I've got the most comfortable bed. Well, it's <laughs> <laughs> a great image. You just, you just yeah. don't know. You just don't know yeah, until yeah, you, yeah, you go yeah. and have a look. So, David, if I'm understanding you right, you're saying that you kind of regret uh, leaving social anthropology behind. I regret that at a certain point, it seemed necessary to let go of all that and to move on. It did. I mean, it did. It did. Um, and hey, so does it mean you'll you'll get back into it now? No, because now I'm completely out of date. I mean, all my thinking. I mean, anthropology, social anthropology, is a curious discipline. It's changed enormously um, since days when people, not many people, do field work in the way that that I did. I mean, um, I was incredibly lucky. I, I was sort of late amongst um, people who had the opportunity, the privilege and the opportunity to really submerge themselves for a period of time in a in a place which seemed initially to be foreign and um, and then you know rapidly just becomes every day the way you live. Um, that was a you know incredible uh, privilege um, to be able to do that. There's not so much of that anymore. And anthropology got caught up in all sorts of political pressures, both from the left and from the right. And one of the dangers with anthropology is that it was always able to be exploited by aggressors, by imperial countries, in order to understand how other people live, in order to control them, in order to try and control them. I mean, my own experience of that in Zimbabwe, which I have written about a little bit, was the way in which the colonials um, running the uh, extremely racist uh, Rhodesian state would research the lives of the Shona people and the Beli people, people who lived in that territory for many hundreds of years, in order to try and get control of them. You know, when uh, the Americans went into Vietnam or went into Cambodia or went into Iraq. I mean, there's always research, you know. So anthropology, anthropologists can get caught up in in, in, in all that. And it, to some degree, discredited the discipline. Also, oh, I, I think anthropologists were, because one of the things, if you, if you do full-scale research, you come out of it with a very complex set of understandings of 
with the way people live. And I mean, it's a bit like me being hesitant to say when you ask very direct questions. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a, you know, a straightforward answer to, to, to give you. You go, well, I don't really know why they do what they do, um, but they do it, and it's very interesting um, um, that, they, that they do, um, and um, and people want you know, want, want um, leaders, they want to know, give me the simple answer so I can use it to achieve what it is that I want to achieve. So uh, anthropology has not been very effective in influencing policy, um, political policy. It's sort of made itself a little bit uh, secondary. I was about to say redundant, but that's that's not true. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't say that. So I no, I, I'm unlikely to get back into anthropology for real now. Why do you say that as theatre makers we're not here to serve the play but to love the play? I I heard I heard you say that in another interview. Well, I just hate the idea of serving anything really. I mean, except except supper. I think serving your supper. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's a I think that's a very good idea. Um, no, yeah. it's just it's just the wrong it's just the wrong relationship. Isn't it, it makes I you mean, subservient. You mean like kind yeah, of um, yeah? You're not you're not a servant. You're not a servant. Of a, yeah, we're, not, yeah. we're not servants. Um, we're we're colleagues. We're we're no. I mean, it's a it's a, look. But I understand where it came from. I mean, it's an old royal courtesan, really. It's yeah, you know, and and it, it came from. Um, I mean, yeah, okay. So there was a, a sort of West End commercial tradition in in the UK about you know why were you doing a play? You're doing a play because a particular actor wanted to play a particular part. Um, and everything was subservient to the needs of the actor, and what you were focused. Okay, and then, uh, yeah, and uh, the, and then you get a, a generation, which I suppose is the generation of the fifties I and mean, the late forties to some extent, but the fifties in England, uh, the Royal Court, leading a different sort of um, charge, um, and saying, no, no. It is about the play. It's about what the, what the writer want to can communicate. We want, we need to focus on that, okay? Which is which was you know, and we don't want a lot of design which is just decorative. The only design you want is 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 design which which expresses the essence of the play. All just gets out of the way. Just leave the stage as empty as possible for the actors and and the yeah. director. Just you know, um, and 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 all that was a, was a good thing, but. Um, and it's and it's but we've moved beyond that now. We've sort of got that. We understand. We understand that. Um, and and it, 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 and even then, I think the and, and you know, I remember when I was a kid looking around the Royal Court in the early seventies. Um, people used to talk about serving the play. It's like, oh, I mean, even then, I think, oh no, that's not. No, you don't want to serve the play. You 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 want to. It's a friendship. I mean, friendship is always the right the right um, analogy. It seems to me. You you want to you want to get you want to. Well, that's why I guess I don't remember what you're quoting, but but if I said that, I, I I'll stand by it. I mean, you want to, if you don't love it, then just let it be alone. Just don't go there. Yeah, but, you know. But fair. if you if you love it, if you like it, if you love anything, you want a, a relationship of intimacy, and you want the best for it. If you love somebody, you want that person to have the best time and to be themselves, and to you know you really want them. To, and it's the same with a play. You 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 you. You want the play to, to get out and, and, and be itself. <laughs> the play's always going to be cleverer than you. I mean, yeah. if, if you think you're cleverer than the play, then don't do it. Don't 
then you have a problem. Uh, the, well, you need a problem because I mean, it's, it's played the good. The, the, the right is always going to be cleverer than you are. Um, it's just fact of life. I mean, Smith Puff's a sad fact of life, <laughs> but 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 it's not really equality. I mean, I have friends, and I and they're good friends, but I think they're cleverer than me. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not claiming or or more talented than me or more whatever than um, than me. It doesn't have to be equal to to that extent. But but you want you you want the play to be everything that it has the potential to be you want to explore you know every inch of it every centimeter of it because you love it is there anything you used to believe strongly that you've changed your mind on recently in the last few years <laughs> um that's a very challenging question um <laughs> sorry david um full of no, these challenging questions no but you but you did say earlier that you like a good answer so you know i'm looking forward to your answer <laughs> Uh, anything that I strongly believe, you know, um, oh yeah, 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 masses. I mean, I change my mind about things all the time, um, all, all, all the time. Um, you know, there's that curious thing about nationalism. Um, people grow up in wherever they grow up in Croatia, and so they think, oh, Croatia is the best country. I will die for Croatia because it's the best country. But you cross the border, and suddenly you're in Serbia, and you go, oh, okay, now I'm a Serbian, and Serbia is the best country. And oh, you know, that little bit over there used to be Serbia, and now it's Croatia. So, so what am I? Exactly? Um, you know, but but where you come from, where you start from can seem very, very powerful and important. And I have to say that the big ideas that I acquired because of where I was brought up and my family have stayed with me. I haven't, I mean, to that extent, I haven't changed very much. I'm still, you know, I'm still, to to be slightly um, wishy-washy about it, I'm still off the of the left, I'm still um, I'm a you know a socialist. I still believe in doing things together. Mm. I still believe um, that all people are equal. I still believe um, you know all the things I I believed as a kid and and which I sort of breathed in in the in the circumstances that I was brought up in. Um, you know the old cliche is you if you're not of the left when you're young you haven't got a heart and if you're not on the right oh, yeah. when you're older then you haven't got a head um, <laughs> <laughs> um i think that's absolutely nonsense or uh. or or there's also the possibility that i haven't got a head i mean that's that's always <laughs> that's also <laughs> that's also a possibility but I, I i i am who i was you did say that you you did that you constantly change your mind what what, what are the things you change your mind on like it can be little things or i tell you just what comes to mind i don't know why i don't know why um i used to be very drawn to oh you know the whole complex network of ideas that derived from freud's work in the um early part of last century well hey we're back at vienna again (laughs) yeah um uh, <laughs> Full circle. Yeah, that's, that seems to be our theme. Um, I used to, I used to, t- I used to take that very seriously, and I, I read a lot. And 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 over the course of my life, I've had periods when I've been in uh, analysis, um, psychoanalysis. First, first time, really a long time ago, for a while, and then more recently, um, had very, very 
interesting and useful and, and quite long um, experience of, of talking quite regularly to somebody who was a, um, an analyst, um, but who was particularly engaged with uh, companies, uh, groups of people, um, but, but companies, commercial companies or uh, corporates or, you know, uh, churches, you know, very big groups of people and, and how how they operate and what, what is leadership with them. And I, I found it very useful talking to somebody about my, I mean, I ran a little company with, well, I had about somewhere between 50, 50 and 60 people at different times. So the, the guy I used to talk to uh, was talking to people who ran, you know, vast tens of thousands of, so and so on, so on. But I found that very useful, but, but I, I mean, very useful. Um, but, but the whole math matrix of ideas about why people's sexuality is like it is, why their drives are like they are, that it should derive from very, very, very early experience and that that experience is fixed after a certain age and everything else is the course of your life is the playing out of the contradictions of your very, very early childhood. I just don't buy them. I used to, I used to be very interested in that. I just don't buy them. I mean, just an example of something that I used to be very interested in and I... I just uh, there's a quote that just came to my mind by George. I think it's George Bernard Shaw who said that. He said like only a cow doesn't change its mind. And I thought when you t- when you when you spoke about your he's full of good quotes. When you spoke about uh, your core values, uh, I, f- I find that is a different thing, right? When obviously like being a good person and stuff, these things hopefully don't change. But I find a lot of beliefs that we acquire through society that it's always. I found it always helpful to hold on to them loosely. So that is something that keeps fascinating me, I guess. Why do we believe what we believe, if you know what I mean? Hmm. There, There is a real advantage, isn't there, in being very deeply engaged in the world, having real problems to solve. I mean, most people, or many people, I couldn't say most, but many people in the course of their lives have tremendously difficult problems to solve, to do with just holding themselves together, holding their life together, looking after uh, their families, um, looking yeah. after their children, looking after people who are close to them, keeping a roof over their head. And a lot of the work I've been doing over the last three or four years has been connected in one way or another to the experience of refugees. And when you think of what that means to your life experience, new experience of being alive, to lose everything to lose everything that connects oh. you to your sense of yourself i mean yeah. not you know i mean first there's um well i mean some people become refugees because their whole life their family has been destroyed and you lose all that but then you also lose that tree that you used to look at every day when you woke up in the morning and you lose that mountain that you used to orientate yourself by. You, know, you lose everything you lose everything that was your way of holding your sense of meaning together. Um, and then you set off um, to who knows where. Even though, of course, today people have iPhones and they have their Google Maps and they know, well, well I've got another five kilometers, 10 kilometers, 100 kilometers, 1,000 kilometers to go before, 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 whatever. But 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 it's it's plunging into the... I know that 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 which is which is one of the key experiences of our time, um, and and the waves of people who have, for one terrible reason or another, had to leave where they had lived, almost always regretfully, um, 
wishing they could stay where they were, but fleeing for their lives or for their livelihoods. We've only, probably, we're only at the very beginning of that. I mean, as our environment degrades, it's going to be harder and harder for more and more people to sustain themselves. And people will move, people will move. I mean, I moved when, 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 when I was a kid. I, I used to, I grew up in one place and at a certain point I went, I want to be somewhere else. I want to live in a different way. And I left where I lived and I, and I moved to London and I lived there. And that is a, you know, that is a picnic. Um, that's an act of choice. That's a, oh, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. really talking about people who, who, um, but, but moving, moving from one place to another place, it's the, it's, it's the core experience of, of our century, I, I suspect. So I'm very interested in all that. It could potentially happen to any of us. It's because I think there's this kind of lack of empathy in the West because people feel so secure in their livelihoods, but there's it could happen to anyone. Uh, yeah, there's a, do you know that movie called um, Jesus of Montreal? You know that no, movie? Okay. okay, it's 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 I think a very good movie. I'll check it out. By a Jesus Canadian. of Montreal. The Jesus of Montreal. It's about a group of actors who are staging a version of of, of the, uh, the, the the passion, the passion of Christ, um, mm. and and the lead and the actor who's playing Jesus sort of goes a bit loopy and sort of thinks he is. But there's a moment in that in that film that's um, always stayed with me. Is he starts prophesying the the Jesus actor, and he says this line. He says. Pray that your flight is not in winter. Pray that your flight is not in winter. At least I, 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 that's what I remember. I've never gone back and checked, but it, it's sort of, oh, it, it was like a sort of um, blade sticking into me when I, I had uh. that, because what it seemed to imply was that your, fly, your, your need to fly, to flee, will come. It's not a question of whether it will happen or not. But it when... will happen. But what you need to pray for is that it's not in, it's not in winter <laughs> because yeah, yeah. That, that really will be bad. Play, pray that your flight is not in winter. Pray that your flight, because it will come, um, is in spring or is in summer or is in autumn. But if it's line. in winter, yeah, I know. That's really, that's really stayed with me. Oh, thanks for that. I can't remember what, what question there was an answer to, but anyway. <laughs> Don't worry. Why is storytelling important, David? Why is it important to keep creating good theatre, good films? I read an interview, or did I watch it, where you say that theatre is not just entertainment. And sorry, I'm paraphrasing again. You say, <laughs> you say, go fix your life, I think, basically. <laughs> and that it's yeah. not just something to entertain the middle class, the bourgeoisie, that it's for everyone. I'm sure I didn't. I'm sure I didn't say it's not just for the middle class as well as I. I cause of course oh, sorry. It, it is. Well, I, well, maybe I did. I mean, as I said earlier, I changed my mind all the time. So maybe, maybe I did say that. I, I don't know. But, 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 but to going to the to the main thing that you're saying. No, I I hate it when people talk about theatre as being entertainment. Um, not that it shouldn't give people a good time. Of course, it should give them a good time. But then everything they do should give them a good time. Mm. That's that's the thing I resist. They sort of going. Oh, it's okay. You're, the rest of your life can be grim, and that's fine. That's acceptable. Your work can be shit. Your, <laughs> you know, your 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 personal relationship can be, that, and you just gotta live with that. But then go and see a nice movie, and that's entertaining. I, that that's just uh, sort of capitalism. That's 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 just um, it tells me exploitative. 
um, yeah. I, I, I don't like which, which is No, I make a distinction between escapism. If you say, okay, this is escapism, then that's cool. I mean, you know, it's a holiday. Cool. That holiday is really good. Have a break. Do something different. Get away from it. Escape from it. If you like, that's cool. It's the it's the idea that that there's it's incumbent upon people who make art that it should be in some that that its purpose is to 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 provide a bad life. I was trying to think of a better way of saying that um, with a you know with a few bright moments. No, uh, it, no. Fix, uh, yes, if I said if you were quoting me saying fix your life, then I'll I'll stick with that. Yeah, um, okay, that's yeah. good. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Tyson we spent together, you spent together with strangers in a, you know, in a, in a, in a theatre or in a, wherever, um, are, are very, very valuable ones. And we, and, 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 you know, to underline it or to repeat myself, you want to have a good, rich, complicated um, time that, that gives you something that adds to your life. That, but it's not just... Um, entertainment oh it's entertainment it's the it's it's yeah it's just what you do between you know having had a um a, a, a fast food snack and going to bed oh we've got a couple of hours let's go and be entertained by oh um you know um part two of faust by goethe um, <laughs> which, which is very difficult to be entertained by by well but it it, it <laughs> might it might change your life it might be it might change your life opens all the so, doors so why is it important for you, David? Why? Well, what, what, what's your question? The story, storytelling. Oh, you know, theatre. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be. I'm going to be recalcitrant. Um, I, I, you know, I hate this thing that happens that suddenly everybody's saying the same thing. At the moment, everybody's talking about storytelling. Oh, storytelling is important. Oh, it's our job is to tell stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's. I, I think it's fatuous. Um, I, I, it's not, no, our job's not to tell stories in general. Our, our, our job is to tell particular stories, which engage oh, yeah. people in particular ways. It's not just sort of any old story is, is fine. It's not. Somebody was saying to me, the, the, every film made in Hollywood, um, the leading characters are either superheroes or animals. So I guess what I mean is is why is good storytelling important? Like what what you what you said about particular stories. Why is it important to tell particular stories for you? Because they add to your experience. Oh, fair. Because mm. they because they because they, they expand your they're, mind. They're, they're, yes, they're, but they're also like little bursts that stick to you when you oh, yeah, through yeah. A, you walk through a, a forest. You know, it stays with you. It's it's, it's like reading uh, a good book in a way, but it's more immediate. Yeah. Well, mm. yes, but it's a it's just a little thought experiment. Could my life yeah, be yeah. like that? Yeah, could I, could I be yeah. like that? Could it be like that? Is it like that? Uh, and then when you have to make decisions, you have a wider range of options yes. to draw on. Yes. Oh, well, you know, um, I could be well, I could be like Anna Karenina and just tell my boring husband <laughs> to go um, piss off, and I'm going to go live my life or I you know but I will be the Annika Renner who doesn't jump in front of the train it adds to one's experience yeah what are your plans for the future what is on your bucket list now well, I don't have a bucket list but I'm and but I'm, I'm I'm very caught up in in what I'm doing I'm producing with with colleagues with three four of us who are producing a big 
event um, called The Walk, which will happen next year. We've got a long way to go, but we're, we're committed to it and we will do it. And I'm doing that and that will see me through um, into next year. I'm, I'm halfway through two books. I'm halfway. I hope I'm halfway through. I've, 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 I've got two um, things I'm writing. Oh, are you allowed to say what it, what it is no. about? No, Not yet. Oh, fair. no, that would be that would be to let the air out of the balloon. Um, oh, fair, fair. Um, um, but I'm 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 doing that, and I have a little little glimmering of something beyond beyond that. And then you know, when when it becomes possible to make theatre again, I have a couple of things that I'm interested in that I'm. Um, done a little bit of work on that maybe I'll, I'll get to do. Are you allowed to talk about these about those things? No, no, no. I, I, most of the work I've been doing recently has been in in New York. And I might get, go back and and it's it's possible that I, I might do a bit more work there. Oh, the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Oh, I, beginning of the year, I was one of the producers of a, a show at at, um, at BAM. But there, there are a couple of things. I'm, oh, brilliant. I'm, I'm thinking about, but the but. Um, Mostly, I'm doing the walk and I'm writing. And finally, is there anything I um, I should have asked but didn't that you like to talk about? A lot of what I talked to you about was work I used to do. Um, I mean, I've, I've run theatre for a long time, um, and I've been talking about that. I guess it's two years, more than two years now, since um, I handed over the keys, and I am just beginning to think I might like to find my way back. So I guess uh, if you'd asked me the question, do I? You didn't. But if you had, yeah. um, would I? Would I? Am I interested in in running a theatre again? I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. I think I would like to. A year ago, I think I'd have said no. I've done that. I want to do something different. But interesting. But um, but you don't you don't regret leaving the Young Vic. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't storm. I don't. Uh, no, it was the. No, I don't. Well, now, if you now if you're ready again to run a theatre, like another theatre, maybe. Huh? Yeah. No. I mean, I had a very, very good time, but it was. Oh, yeah. It was. It needed to change, and the question was, do I? Do I want to change it? And I. And we rethought the whole place a couple of times. And we thought, well, no, actually, it might be better if somebody else, if somebody else comes in with a new idea. But no, I might. I might do. I might. I might. I guess what I'm really saying is that I haven't thought about that for a long time and I started thinking about it again. You mentioned Goethe's Faust uh, before. I, I, I'm gutted I missed your um, your production of Marlowe's Dr. Faustus with Jude Law. That was before I came to London, actually. And how was it working with him? Because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. I only saw him on, on stage in in Michael Grandage's um, Henry V. I mean, Shakespeare's Henry V, Michael Grandage's production. Uh, and I think he, he was brilliant on stage, and I, I'm a fan of his film work. So, how was it working with him for you? Oh, great! That'd be great. And that, that, the first was the second one. We did um, together. We did a production of um, "This British Is a Hall by John Ford, um, which I did at the Envic before I was running the Envic. Um, so, I and and Jude had also been in. I wrote an adaptation, a sort of, I can't say translation because I don't speak classical Greek, but I did a sort of version of a play by Euripides called Ion. Um, and Jude, Jude played that at, um, at the RSC. Um, so I, I, I knew him a bit. And then we did uh, Tispedi together. And then it was Jude's idea actually to do Marlowe's Faust. And I read about that book actually. And then, but great. I mean, he, Jude is one of the 
you know, keep it simple. Judy is one of the nicest people in the world. And everybody who works with him says that. I mean, everybody, everybody I've ever talked to who's ever worked with Jude. And I, I used to see him. I, I don't see him so much anymore. I mean, we're in touch a bit, but and I, I don't see him so much. But um, he always was. He was, I mean, he's a, he's a terrific actor. I mean, fantastic actor. And actually deepens and, 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 and becomes more complex as an actor as he gets older as often happens. Yeah. But, but he was a kid. I mean, he was very young when, when we worked together. And it was, uh, it was great. It was, um, he's, he's, a, he's really a, he's a very good guy. He's a very good person. He does all sorts of stuff nobody um, gets to hear about. Um, no, of nice to hear. Humanitarian oh. kind. Um, no, he's a very good guy. Oh, great. Finally, David, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Or oh, I'm hi? here. I'm sitting right at my desk. I'm very easy to find. Um, just, just, there's a, just come through the door just behind me and I'll be here. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> my email address is just my name, um, david at davidland.co.uk. Oh, great. No, if people want to talk to me. Um, but I don't, I, I, I'm not on Facebook. No, I mean, I've actually got a Facebook account because... Somebody, well, years ago, when I was theatre, somebody started a Facebook account for me and said, oh, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll love it, but I hate it. Um, and I, I've got a Twitter account, but I don't use it. But I use email, yeah. I thought I'd ask you because I'm sure you might, you might get millions of emails in a week, so I thought I'd... You know, oh, no, I'd getting millions of emails would be fun. It's okay. Okay, okay fair. <laughs> <laughs> fair. Oh, David, thanks so much. It's been a, it's been a truly fascinating exploration. Well, it's good. Thank you for asking me. Thank you for asking me to talk to you. Thank you for listening. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it, and you can share it on social media. It really does help other listeners find us. And make sure to subscribe to get the next episode. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you.